So we're going through the book of Mark. It's a journey through the gospel of Mark. Gospel just means good news. And uh, so we're on a section here. We're at the end of chapter 2. So if you have your Bible here or on your smartphone, Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 23. Mark 2, 23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was the high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread. Only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, This is the point here. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the needs of or the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over over the Sabbath. So you notice here Jesus and his and his disciples are just kind of walking around. Jesus is just doing his thing, healing people, casting out demons, loving people, and it's the Sabbath day. And in those days, the Sabbath started at sundown. And then it went 24 hours to the next sundown. And so it's the Sabbath day, but they were hungry. So they went through the grain field and then, and they were just taking the grain and they were just rubbing it like this so that they'd have something to eat. It wasn't like they were out harvesting, but you notice the Pharisees are right there to tell them, oh, you guys are working on the Sabbath. And basically what Jesus is saying to them through this example of David in eating the, what they called the, the, um, the consecrated bread or the bread of the presence. And, and this is a story back, I think it's in 1 Samuel 21. And, and this is when David, he was on this mission. He was trying to escape from Saul and he went into the temple He wasn't a priest and he ate some of the loaves. And so Jesus uses this example and he's saying, you guys missed the whole point. The Sabbath is meant for you. The Sabbath is meant to be a gift. The Sabbath is not something that we have to be restricted by and feel like it's this big burden, which is always, as you remember, anytime the Pharisees are involved, there's always going to be some kind of religious thing that's going to be imposed on people. And isn't that what religion does to us? Makes us feel like this heaviness, like I haven't done enough. I'm not good enough, right? That's what religion does. But instead, Jesus is saying, no, no, this is, this is something that was intended to be such a blessing to you. The Sabbath was intended to be something to benefit you and to, and to increase your relationship with the Lord. And yet here the Pharisees are turning it into this miserable thing again. You know, that, that's always like religion. Just standing there telling you you're just doing it wrong, right? That's what religion does. And so Jesus is saying, you guys, this, the whole reason for the Sabbath is because it's for your good. And so that's the point I'm, I'm trying to make today. I'm gonna, hopefully I will convince you by the end of this that the Sabbath is actually a gift, Even though it's one of the Ten Commandments, it's actually a gift that the Lord wants to use to bless us and to provide for all of our needs. But before we get into Sabbath, we need to talk about the philosophy of work. 
So we're going to talk about, first of all, work and the curse. Because if you remember back in Genesis 3, it talks about the curses. Because remember, they lived in paradise. Everything was perfect. Adam and Eve were just chilling in the garden and everything was awesome. And then they decided they were just going to go their own way and do their own thing. So Eve takes the fruit. Incidentally, you know the Bible doesn't say it's an apple. Did you know that? Everybody always assumes it's an apple. It just, it says fruit. I personally think it was probably coconut. So, but anyway, <laughs> that's a bias. But um, so, so they eat this fruit, crack open the coconut, and um, they eat this fruit. And so then God is like, okay, now there's going to be a curse. And so this is what the curse says in Genesis three seventeen to the man. It says, all your life you will struggle to scratch out a living from your work. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. This is the curse, okay? This is the unfortunate reality of, of work. You know, people are always saying, oh, I have to go to work, or oh, I hate my job, or, you know, dreading Mondays, can't wait for Friday, you know, living life just under this curse. And Jesus wants to redeem this. That's part of the reason that he's given us Sabbath. And I'll, sh- I'll show you that a-, a little bit later. But I want to first talk to you about the 10 worst jobs. Um, according to Forbes magazine, the, the top 10 worst jobs, number 10, and, and, if, and if this is what you do, I apologize. I am not trying to pick on anybody. This is not my opinion. I found this online, so therefore it has to be true. So (laughs) number 10, mail carrier. You could probably imagine why, right? If you live in in a state where there's inclement weather, snowstorms, rain, dogs, all kinds of things. Um, Number nine, firefighter. Now this is a job, this is a kind of job where if you go out every single time, there is a possibility you won't come back. It's very, very scary, and they only make an average of $42,000 a year. Number eight, taxi driver, $11 an hour. I mean, with Uber and Lyft now, taxi drivers have a a lot of competition. Number seven, a corrections officer in prison. Imagine they are dealing with the most violent people in our culture and our society, and they make a whopping $39,000 a year. Uh, number six, photojournalists, they make $30,000 a year. Uh, number five, broadcaster, they only make $30,000 a year. I, I was pretty shocked by that. Number four, cook, they make $20 an hour. Um, number three, enlisted military personnel, their first two years, they make under $20,000 a year. They, that's below the poverty line. Number two, lumberjack. Lumberjacks work 12 to 13-hour days every single day, and they make less than $34,000 a year. Number one, worst job, newspaper reporter. You can probably figure that one out. With the, with the advent of the internet and newspaper reporters, there's, there's not a whole lot of good going on there. They only make about $40,000 a year. I also looked up some of the weirdest jobs in the world. Um, number one, uh, elephant dresser. 
they're the ones that put the costumes on the elephants. Um, this one, uh, rectal thermometer tester. <laughs> Your job's not so bad now, is it? <laughs> A professional ear cleaner. <laughs> uh, there's the Stanley Cup keeper. You know the Stanley Cup for hockey? It has to be with a chaperone at all times. Um, in Sweden, they have gender equality consultants. They make sure that there's no gender bias anywhere. There's an ostrich babysitter. They sit with the baby ostriches and make sure they don't peck each other to death. That's their job. Um, there's a chicken sexer, which is not what you're thinking immediately. It means they tell the gender of the chicken. So don't go there. Um, there's car plate blockers in Tehran, in Iran, because it's so crowded that license plates ending with uh, odd numbers can drive every other day and even numbers on the off days. And so because they want to drive, they hire somebody to walk behind their car so that they block it so that the police can't see it. Um, uh, bicycle fishers, this is in Amsterdam because there are so many bicycles, people just toss them in the canal, and so these guys have to go fish them out. Um, there are professional mourners in the Middle East and in some Asian nations. There's professional snugglers. Ugh. There are oshias, which are, it's translated, it's Japanese, and it means people onto train pushers. So you know how crowded it is in Japan. So these people stand there and push people onto the train so that they can get on without getting killed, purportedly. Um, a breath odor evaluator. This is for gum companies and, and mint companies and toothpaste companies. These people have to see if the product actually works and covers up the nasty smell. Um, professional apologizers. This is also in Japan. If you, if you are too prideful to actually apologize to someone but you know you're wrong, you can hire someone to do it for you. <clears throat> the queer... Cuidacaros, which um, are people that, that are hired to stand and guard your car. And if anybody tries to break into it, they'll beat them up. Some of you would love that job, wouldn't you? Um, there's full-time Netflix viewer. Ooh, yeah, sign me up. No, not really. <laughs> These are some of the weirdest jobs in the world. But what about your job? What's your attitude about your job? Do you love your job? Do you look forward? Do you can't wait for Monday morning? Can't wait to get there? Or do you dread it? Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes 2. Ecclesiastes 2, 21. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill. Then they must leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great tragedy. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Remember the curse? This is what, exactly what the curse said. Their, their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It is all meaningless. Now here's Solomon, the wisest man in the world. So I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized these pleasures are from the hand of God. What the Lord wants to do in the process of, of providing Sabbath for us is to give us 
an attitude change about work so that instead of work being under the curse, work is, um, is, is, or the curse is lifted and work becomes an act of worship. Because you know what it says in the Bible, several places, it says, whatever you do, no matter what you do, always do it for the glory of God. Do everything for the glory of God. And that is basically what this passage is saying is that, you know, these, these things come from God. And so I'm, I just decided the best thing I could do is just change my attitude and, and become more of a worshiper. And that is the time when we will be satisfied. You know, we are most satisfied in God when he is most glorified in our lives. And God is most glorified in our lives when we're most satisfied in him. So if you hate your job, and if it's, if it's like the curse says, if you're toiling and laboring by the sweat of your brow and you dread it and you hate it, determine that you are going to turn your job into an act of worship. You know, the person who, who cleans the, the toilets or cleans the floors and does it unto the Lord and does it for the glory of God pleases the Lord more than, than any pastor who stands up and speaks with a bad attitude or with, you know, hidden sin in their life. The person who does their work unto the Lord is going to be far more satisfied if they do it as an act of worship. And part of Sabbath is helping us to decide that we're, we're going to have this day of rest so that we can do the work of the Lord for the other six days. And it turns, Sabbath turns work from a chore into worship as we, as we just offer ourselves to the Lord, as we, in faith, give the Lord that one day of the week. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. You know, even, even in the world, they recognize the health benefits of Sabbath or of taking a day off. I read several articles that talk about it increases your brain function. It, it's good for your heart. It helps you to live longer. It's, I mean, all of the health benefits of taking time off. Anybody in here convicted right now? You know, it's back in Ecclesiastes, it says, you know, we, we toil and we labor and it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. So we're going to talk about the principle of time next. So we talk about work. Sabbath is meant to turn our work into worship. But we've got to deal with the concept of time. Now I could talk about time forever. Time is such a nebulous, bizarre subject. But the Bible tells us clearly, everybody's given the same amount of time. And we are called to redeem our time. We're called to use our time and invest our time for the glory of God. We can either spend our time or we can invest it. And the Lord's saying, invest your time because you only have so much of it. There is a Greek myth um, about the god Kronos. Kronos means like chronology or chronicles. Kronos was this wicked, wicked, actually there's a lot of artwork I could have shown you, but it was really kind of graphic and gross. He ate his own children. He's always devouring everything. And isn't that just what time feels like? Like it devours everything. It's, it's eating up everything and it just goes so fast. How many of you have ever said, maybe even in the last week, oh, I'm so busy. Anybody? Anybody say that? 
I mean, isn't that the human condition? People always say to me, oh, you're, you're so busy. And I'm like, but aren't we all so busy? Aren't we all just feeling like, ah, I mean, this is part of the curse. And that's where the Lord's saying, take a breath, take a break. Work six days and then take a break. Take a day off. Or people will say, do you have time for me? It's like, we all have the same amount of time. It's just how we choose to invest it. William Shakespeare says, better three hours too soon than one minute too late. Um, When my kids were growing up, they were so confused about time (laughs) because we would say, okay, we're going to be at our friend's house. We're leaving in five minutes. And then we would leave like three hours later. So the kids were like, wow, five minutes is a long time. So we say, you have five minutes to clean your room. And they're like, cool. They were very confused about time. But you notice when you're dreading something, time goes so, so slowly. But then when you're doing something you love, it goes too fast. I mean, time is just such a bizarre concept. But when we are faced with our own mortality, I think that's when we gain the perspective. I've had three near-death experiences. I've been on my deathbed facing eternity three times. And I'll tell you, it changes your perspective on time. It, it, first of all, it changes your perspective on what you should be concerned about. You know, it's like, like the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. I mean, how many people have you heard when they were on their deathbed, they were saying, oh man, I wish I would have gotten more work done. What do most people say when they're on their deathbed? I wish I would have spent more time with my loved ones. I wish I would have taken more time off. I've told some of you the story about my grandmother. She was um, 92 when she passed away, and I wanted to go and honor her. Um, She was in, in a nursing home, and so I went, and I said, she was German, this German just the hardest working person I've ever met in my life. So I I said to her, I said, Grandma, thank you so much. I said, I learned so much from watching your work ethic and you just worked so hard. I said, I just watched you and just saw you constantly. I mean, she she baked her own bread and she, she was up before the sun came up and she was just such a hard worker. And, um, And then, you know, I just, I asked her, you know, if she had any regrets. And she said, yeah, I think my, my biggest regret is that I just worked too hard. <laughs> I'm like, what? I thought that was what you wanted. And she goes, oh, no. She goes, if I could go back and live my life over, she said, I would have taken, taken it easy. I would have spent more time with people. Because really, that was the case. When we go to grandma's house, she's just in the kitchen. She's working, working. And it was like we didn't really get much time with her because she was so busy serving us, kind of like Martha in the New Testament, rather than hanging out with us like Mary. You know, she was just so busy working. But I think that, that on our deathbed, what are you going to say if, if today was your very last day on earth, what would you do? If this was the last day, you're going to be dead tomorrow, what would you do today? That's what you should be doing today. Because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We don't know how much time we have. The Bible says our lives are just a vapor. Some vapors are bigger. Some vapors are little. But all of our lives are a vapor in light of eternity. And so the Lord is saying, redeem your time. It says um, 
in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Can we all agree these are evil days? Even when this was written back in Ephesus, those were some evil days. But we know with all of the mass shootings, with children killing their parents and their teachers and you know, parents violating their children. I mean, we are living in some evil, evil days. And it's saying, but make the most of every opportunity. Again, don't spend your time, invest your time. It's saying, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. This is what the Lord is saying. He's saying, I want you to work six days and then take a day off. This is what the Lord is telling us. Work six days and then take a day off. Um, I've told you this story too. My husband, um, we had a guy that lived with us. He was remodeling our house. And um, and my husband asked him, he goes, are you going to go to church tomorrow? And he goes, oh no, I don't have time. He goes, I got to work tomorrow. My husband goes, oh, you must want to get behind. Because that's the case. You work seven days, you toil and you labor under the curse, you will not be any more productive. You cannot dishonor a principle of, that God has set up and expect to, to be blessed. It just doesn't work. It's like gravity. If you honor the principle of the Sabbath, you will be blessed. If you don't take a dang day off, <laughs> you will be working under the curse. And it says a whole lot about you if you don't. The Sabbath is a beautiful gift. And the Lord is presenting it to you. The Lord is saying, here, I have this gift for you. I have this gift. But most people are like, mm, that's all right. I don't, I don't really need that. I don't really need a day off. I can't afford to take a day off. I'm too busy. I have too much to do. And the Lord is saying, Honor me with the Sabbath. Take a day off. So now we're going to talk about what does that look like? Exodus 20 says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a what? Sabbath day of rest. Now, this is not just take a day and don't work. It says here, this is a Sabbath day of rest, but it is dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Verse 11, it says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So so think about this. The Lord made the earth and everything in it in six days. We were the last thing that he made. And our first day was a day of rest. See, Sabbath is meant to prepare us to go out and do the works of the Lord. Sabbath is meant not just to recuperate, but to prepare us. Um, How many of you feel like you're, you're, you kind of, you're pretty good at the Bible or you feel like you know the Bible. Anybody competitive? We're going to play a little game here. What you're going to do is I'm going to say go. Get your weapon. Okay. You guys are going to list in order 
the Ten Commandments. Ready, set, go. Thank you so much. All right, so you shall have no other gods before me. That seems pretty self-evident, right? You shall not make any idols. Don't worship anything more than you worship God. Also seems pretty obvious, right? Don't misuse the name of the Lord. Don't, and, and this doesn't just mean cursing. This doesn't mean just swearing. This also means don't say things like, oh, the Lord told me to do this if the Lord really didn't. There are a lot of warnings about that. Don't say that you're coming in the name of God if it's not God. Or don't even use the word of God and say, you know, if, if you don't have the heart of God, if you're going to come to somebody and confront them and rebuke them, make sure you have the heart of God before you go to that person. Otherwise, you're, you're misusing the name of the Lord, your God. But look, number four. This is how important this is to God. This is more important than honoring your parents. It's more important than not killing people. It's more important than not committing adultery. It's more important than not stealing, not lying, not coveting, all the bad things we see are bad things. And yet we resist. We ignore this. We just, eh, just, I mean, God really wasn't that serious. Do you think God wasn't serious? So now you could go back and you could go, well, yeah, but that's Old Testament. That's the Old Covenant. But now why is Jesus still honoring it? And why is Jesus saying he is the Lord of the Sabbath? Why does Jesus say the Sabbath was made for you? The Sabbath was made for you. Not you for the Sabbath. Not you to do this thing, to have this this restriction. This Every single one of these, all of the Ten Commandments are meant as blessings. Every single one. God is giving you the gift of a Sabbath, and yet, who needs that? I don't need a Sabbath. So quiet in here. Okay, it is a command, it's a commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and not just take a day off, but keep it holy. Focus on the Lord. You know, the other day, you know, I have my Sabbath on Monday. So this is what I want to say. Do the Sabbath the way that it best um, functions in your life. In other words, you don't, you don't, it doesn't have to be on Sunday. It can be on Sunday, but take a day 24-hour period of time, and don't work, but just enjoy. Enjoy life. Think about the Lord. Think about the good things. Thank God. Bless God. 24 hours. He's giving you an out. He's giving you a day to just chill and hang out with him. So I have my Sabbath on Mondays, and... A couple of weeks ago, I went to a movie. I like to go to movies, um, but I went to a movie and I didn't realize it was, it, it just was, did not honor God at all. And I felt so convicted in the midst of the movie. And afterwards I was like, you know, this is, this is not keeping 
the Sabbath holy. And I'm not trying to be legalistic. I just, you know how when you watch a movie and it just like puts like a, just a dark feeling over your heart. That's how it was. And, and the, I apologized to the person that I went to the movie with. I said, I'm so sorry. This movie, that movie was just so bad, so terrible. And so it's like, I just, I thought, you know what? I'm really good at taking a day off. I'm really good at not working, but I'm really working on the part about keeping it holy. That's the part I'm really focusing on. I mean, I, I usually start out every single day. I try to every single day. I start out reading the word and praying and acknowledging God and thanking God. And on my Sabbath, it's the same. I start out in the word and praying. But here's the thing that is so cool. It says in 1 John 5, 3, it says, 1 John is a lot about talking about love. God is love. Love one another. You know, all love your brother. If you say that you love your brother and yet you, or you love God and you hate your brother, you know, you're probably a liar. And it's, this, whole, this whole book talks about this. But here it says in um, chapter five, verse three, loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So he's saying the Sabbath is a commandment, but it's not a burden. It's not like the Pharisees were saying. His com- the Sabbath is a gift. The Sabbath is something to bless you. Take a day off and devote it to God, whatever that means. It's, it's really about faith. It's really about saying, you know what? This does not make any sense to me, but I'm going to do this. It, remember, Jesus said the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath. And this, again, it isn't just about leisure. You know, it's like, when I go to the coffee shop on Mondays on my Sabbath and I, and I watch all the people, they're all working and there's a little tinge in me that's like feeling a little guilty, like, oh, I should really be working too. Because honestly, it can kind of feel like, wow, I'm really being a schlub, you know, like I'm really being kind of lazy here. I should be working. There's something in us that's just compelled, but the Lord's saying, just take a day take a day and don't work. He's saying, I even did that. I created the earth in six days. And then on the seventh day, I just rested. Now, do you really think God needed rest? The omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, all powerful, almighty God needed rest? Probably not, but he did it as an example to set an example for us. And actually to, to acknowledge God... What this means to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy really means it's like you're, like you're betrothed. It's like a little foretaste of heaven. It's like we're, we're engaged to Jesus. He is our bridegroom and we are the bride and he's going to come back and get us. And the Sabbath day is a day that's set apart to just remember that. And to remember his love and to remember his provision and his blessings. It's not really, it's not just about leisure, but it's about the sovereignty of God. And it is an act of faith, especially for those of you who are workaholics. It'll just about tear you to pieces those first few times when you actually trust God and take a day off, take a Sabbath. So either, either God is sovereign and he's in control or you are. And I don't think you are. 
I know I'm not. But what you're saying when you don't take a day off, you say, uh, I'm in control. I'm in charge. I have to make things happen. And God is saying, no, I want to show you that I am sovereign. It's just the opposite of what we think. So either God is sovereign and in control, or we're responsible for the outcome of our circumstances. And which one would you prefer? Do you want to be the one that's in charge? Do you want all of the weight of responsibility to fall on you? Or do you want, just like earlier, we just give our burdens to the Lord and say, Lord, my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I belong to you. It's about perspective. It's also a blessing. The Sabbath is a blessing. It's not this commandment. Do this. No, it's like, where did I... That was a bad idea. (laughs) Here, take a day off. Take a little mini vacation. That's what he's saying. But we don't, we just ignore that. We just, uh, I don't think it's really that big a deal. It's number four out of ten. And the first one is about making God sovereign over our lives and not worshiping anything else besides him, and not taking his name in vain, then take a day off and remember me in the midst of it. It's important. And you know, I know most of you that don't take a Sabbath are going to walk out of here, and you're going to continue in the way that you're living right now. You're not not hearing what I'm saying. I, I just, unfortunately, I know that's the case. But my prayer, my urgent prayer is, Lord, if you could even convince one person of the blessing of Sabbath, of rest, of taking 24 hours, however you finagle that, just 24 hours set aside to just acknowledge God and his sovereignty. You know, I was watching my granddaughter the other day. She's, she's t- two years old, and everything's exciting for her. Everything is fun for her. You know, that's what Sabbath is supposed to be for us, is like we, we find wonder in everything. I love getting up into the mountains on my Sabbath and just acknowledging God's goodness and acknowledging the God of all creation. You know, it's like little kids are always, they're never bored. Little kids are, everything's fun and everything's interesting. And if it's not, then they find a, made, a way to make it interesting, usually getting in trouble. But Little kids are in awe of everything. And that's kind of what the Lord's calling us. Remember last week we talked about, unless you change and become as a little child, you won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. We have to become more childlike and say, okay, my daddy's telling me that I need to take a day off and acknowledge him, so I'm going to do that. We're called to recreate ourselves, recreate, do something you love, do something fun. If you like nature, get out and take a hike. I'm not saying that in a rude way, (laughs) but you know, read a book. If you're a reader, read a book, do something, just breathe. Don't be under the curse. You'll toil and labor by the sweat of your brow. Take a breather. And let God just bless you. John Piper says, God's rest was not for recuperation, but for exaltation. That's what our Sabbath is supposed to be. Not to recuperate, but to exalt God. So why do we fight it? 
What are some of the reasons we fight Sabbath? Anybody want to throw anything out there? Why do we, why do we ignore this commandment? Anybody? Selfishness. We think we have to make money. We think we're too busy. Guilt. Hmm. How does that explain? Oh, you feel guilty? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was feeling, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes ignorance. Anybody remember SpongeBob? SpongeBob had opposite day. The things of the kingdom are like opposite day. The Sabbath is like opposite day. The Sabbath is a day where instead of thinking we're too busy or we, um, we should be working to make more money or, you know, if we don't do this, it's not going to get done. We have to say, nope, I'm going to put this on hold for 24 hours. This is opposite day. <laughs> Your Sabbath is like opposite day. The things of the kingdom are all opposite, right? You give Give and it shall be given unto you. Humble yourselves and God will exalt you. The greatest among you is the servant of all. You know, all the things of the kingdom. If you want to save your life, you have to lose your life. Sabbath is the same thing. It does not make sense to our earthly minds. It is an issue of faith. We have to believe that God is good and that God has instituted this for our benefit. For our spiritual benefit, our our physical benefit, our psychological benefit, all of these things. The Sabbath is made for us. It's made for our needs. That's why he gave it to us. It's a gift. And it says, in conclusion, it says, which really just means I'm going to take another 20 minutes and keep talking, but I'm going to say it's in conclusion so that you get hope. Um, (laughs) In conclusion, Psalm 20 verse 10 says, All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. And if it's number four for God in the Ten Commandments, do you think maybe there's something in that principle of Sabbath that we need to acknowledge I want us to honor God in every area. And remember again, God is most glorified in our lives when we are most satisfied in him. And we are most satisfied in him when he is being glorified in our lives. And so if God is asking you right now, if he's saying, trust me, believe that if you work six days and take a day and rest... I will honor that. If we honor him, he will honor us. If we honor his principles and honor his ways, he will show us honor. It says with humility comes honor. If we humble ourselves and say, Lord, I don't understand how this principle works. I don't get it. It seems like, um, anybody ever see that little saying? My mom had this up in her kitchen. There's a little plaque and it said, the hurry or the harder the hurrier i go the behinder i get and that's the curse that is exactly what it's talking about it's like striving and you know the bible says cease striving and know that i am god
just receive that gift? Can you do that? Can you trust God? If you need to repent, I just, I just tell you now, make the most of your opportunities for these days are evil. Don't live thoughtlessly, but know what the Lord's will is. Know what the Lord's calling you to do. I urge you, I implore you, and, and I'm saying, I, I, I know that this is true. The first, I would say, oh gosh, the first probably 14 years of my Christian life, I never took a Sabbath. I didn't know what it meant to take a Sabbath. Just work, 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 work. And I will tell you, honestly, as soon as, as I heard, I heard a teaching about this, about the significance of taking a Sabbath, and, and Eric and I both determined that at that point we were going to honor God with our time. We were going to work six days and we were going to take one day. And everything changed in my perspective, in my stress level, in our relationship. It was like it became so much more peaceable. And that's the gift God wants you to have too. So can you stand with me now? And if you need to repent to the Lord, and and I'm not saying just say, oh God, I'm sorry for not doing this and not change. That's not really what repent means. Repent means to change your mind. That you're going to decide, you know what? I am going to honor God with this even though it doesn't make sense to me. So let's go before the Lord and just close our eyes. And For those of you who do take a Sabbath, I think you would probably be able to confirm what I'm saying is true, that it is a blessing and it is a gift. So Lord, we come before you and we thank you that all of your ways are loving and faithful when we keep the demands of your covenant. Lord, when we honor your ways, God, you bless us. When we obey you, Lord, you bless us. You pour out your spirit on us, Lord, and we want God, more than anything, Lord, we come before you, Lord, and we want to honor you in everything we do, including our work. Lord, we want to see our work as an as a act of worship and not just this thing we have to do to, to meet the bills. Lord, we want, we want to do whatever we do unto you, Lord. And Lord, we want to see time as a gift from you too. And even though it's opposite, even though it seems backwards, Lord, we come before you, Lord. And and for those, um, Lord, for those who haven't taken Sabbath, just ask that by your spirit, Lord, you would convince them. You would convince them of the blessing of a day of rest, a day of acknowledging you, a day of just rediscovering the beauty in our lives, being grateful, resting. Lord, convince them by your spirit. Lord, and and, um, just show us your glory. Lord, we we want you to be glorified in our lives. And we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for the gift of the Sabbath the amazing gift of Sabbath. Let us honor you, Lord, in that. In Jesus' name, amen.